St. Teresa's coach wins his 8th H&R Coach of the Year honor. Bloomington Ward 1 Alderman and Mayor Pro Tem Jamie Matthew resigns. More on these stories, I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. This week, we have a shortened version of the pod because Kelsey and I are recording a bit early due to an event that we are attending this afternoon. So let's just jump into this week's news, starting with some state and local government updates. Illinois lawmakers on Tuesday introduced legislation aimed at addressing a recent spike in organized retail crime. The proposal is a collaboration between the Illinois Retail Merchants Association and Attorney General Kwame Raoul and will create and define a violation of organized retail crime, which is not currently specified within state statute. The proposal provides jurisdiction to any state's attorney in a county where any element of the organized retail crime took place so that they can prosecute the whole crime. This means that if a ring of smash and grab thefts stretches across different counties, prosecutors can consolidate charges into one county for all of the incidents. The measure would also give the Attorney General's office the ability to use a statewide grand jury to bring about organized retail theft charges. The Attorney General would also be given the ability to pursue RICO charges, which gives broader authority to charge people involved in a criminal enterprise. To read more, find our coverage across our three sites, herald-review.com, jg-tc.com, and panagraph.com. There was a lot going on in Bloomington this week, but let's first start with some redistricting changes. Bloomington will soon begin redrawing its boundary lines for its nine wards to reflect population changes based on new 2020 census data. Illinois state law requires the wards to be as balanced as possible, meaning there should be around 8,742 people represented in each ward with no more than a 10% deviation. Two wards have shown such deviations, with Ward 7 coming in 11.79% below and Ward 8 with 25.52% above the 8,742 requirement. The city will have a choice of two to three maps, which will be voted on sometime this summer. Also, during the Bloomington City Council meeting on Monday, the city passed funding for two multi-million dollar projects, the O'Neill Pool and Park Renovation, and the Bloomington Public Library expansion. Both are expected to revamp the spaces, which have been aging in infrastructure for decades. At the end of the Monday night meeting, Ward 1 Alderman and Mayor Pro Tem Jamie Matthew announced that he is stepping down effective immediately. In a statement, Matthew said he is resigning as the result of a business conflict that has made him ineligible to hold a position on the council under state law. He declined Tuesday to discuss the specifics. To read more on any of these stories, find my full reporting at panagraph.com. And moving into business and agriculture news, uh, Kelsey's going to start us off with some uh stuff going on at Madden Art Center. The Madden Art Center's Ann Lloyd Gallery is getting an installation honoring a family with a legacy indicator. During April, the gallery will, will display approximately 50 pieces from Jane Muller's collection. Muller, an avid art collector, died in 2009, but her family continues to make contributions to the community. Staff from Hieronymus Miller Museum will be at the gallery for the first Friday gallery walk, April 1st, to discuss the artwork from her collection. Members of the Art Council say Jane Muller's passions were horses, art, and travel, and those themes are evident in the work she collected. To read more about Jane and for a full list of April art exhibits in Decatur, be sure to check out Donette Beckett's story at herald-review.com. A Decatur Girl Scout is working to beautify the James Millican homestead, shining a light on the house and its connection to Millican University. 
17-year-old Claire Peters, a member of Troop 3274, has been a Girl Scout for 12 years and for her Gold Award project, she planned to work with members of the Homestead Board to replace an old flagpole, but she needed something extra to get the idea approved. Peters decided on a memorial slab with an inscription detailing the history of the homestead and a tree log that will include identifying characteristics and details of the surrounding shrubbery. As part of the project, the property's steel gates will also be restored and put back at the gateway entrance. Matus Janique has the full story on this project and Peter's hope for it all over at heraldhyphenreview.com. Okay, Kelsey, real quick, health news once again about blood. (laughs) Should I maybe stop talking about blood donations? No, nah, not going to happen. In quick health-related news, our photographer David Paper had a photo package in the Thursday edition of the Panagraph this week, capturing the ISU side of the Challenge on 74, Illinois State University versus Bradley University blood battle. <laughs> the universities just down the highway from each other are turning their rivalry into a competition to see which can get more blood donors in chairs by the end of the week. To find out how to donate in Peoria or Normal this week, head over to redcrossblood.org and go to panagraph.com to see David's photos. Are you going to be donating to Illinois State University's blood battle? You know, I, I, ironically, I was figuring out where to donate this weekend, and I was going to, but it was way easier to schedule something with our schedules um, on Saturday instead of during the week. So I'm donating at Trinity Lutheran Church on Saturday. You should donate too. Everyone should donate blood. There's a shortage, a national shortage. Anyways, <laughs> um, let's move into some higher education news. Sierra, take it away with some labor strikes. Members of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees Local 1110 at Illinois State University approved a vote giving their bargaining team the ability to call for a strike if they feel it is necessary. The vote had 80% of union members voting with a 95% approval of the strike authorization. The union represents more than 300 grounds janitorial and dining employees at the university. It is part of AFSCME Council 31, which represents workers in Illinois. Negotiators for the university and the union have met repeatedly in recent weeks. Under wage rates listed on the university's website as effective January 1st, local 1110 bargaining unit members make between $12.30 an hour for some intern positions, up to $25.32 an hour for grounds equipment mechanics, nursery workers, and tree surgeons. Negotiations have been ongoing since October, and the union's last contract expired in June 2021. The university and union agreed in April 2021 to postpone negotiations until fall of that year. To read more, find Connor Wood's full story at panagraph.com. Richland Community College is offering a new construction training program beginning May 2nd. The program will teach students the basics of carpentry, electrical, plumbing, roofing, concrete forming, and other skills to obtain entry-level construction jobs, math skills for construction trades, and OSHA 10 certification, among other skills. Anyone interested in joining will need to attend one of four orientation sessions scheduled April 6, 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. and April 7, 10 a.m. or 5 p.m. Registration is available at richland.edu or by emailing www.ditty at richland.edu. For full information, you can find Valerie Wells' story at herald-review.com. And now let's move into sports news, starting with cheerleading. 
The Millican University Cheerleading Squad is representing the school for the first time at the National Cheerleading Association College Nationals. The competition will be held April 6th through 10 in Daytona Beach, Florida, and the opportunity to participate is available only through an invitation. It is the third year for the squad to get a bid, but only the first year for the team to be able to attend the competition due to COVID. The Millican team participating is composed of eight seniors and will compete in Division Three. The cheerleaders had to raise the funds for travel expenses as well as for the competition fees, hotel, and food. To do so, they hosted fundraisers and provided the remaining funds themselves. The entire trip cost about $28,000 for the team to participate. To read more about the upcoming trip, find Donna Beckett's full story at herald-review.com. And keeping it with the Herald Review. The Herald Review has named St. Teresa's Mark Ramsey as the H&R Macon County Football Coach of the Year for 2021. Ramsey now has won eight times in his long high school coaching career with 315 victories on the field. Ramsey won the All-Area Coach of the Year Award seven times while at Central A&M, and this year's honor is his first Macon County Coach of the Year since he took over the Bulldogs program in 2016. His team's running back, Denim Cook, was also named the H&R Macon County Player of the Year, and in, in a Q&A with Matt Flatten, the coach talks about what Cook brings to the team and how how the position has changed and what's in store for the Bulldogs' future. To check out Ramsey's interview, head over to herald-review.com for a full look. And now let's move into some public safety-related news. Fallen senior Master Trooper Todd Hannikin's name was added this week to the Illinois State Police Memorial Wall. Hannikin was killed last March after his squad car crashed into a utility pole and tree on Illinois 10 in Bonville. He was a 20-year veteran of the State Police. His name is added to the memorial, which rests in a park across the street from the State Police headquarters in Springfield. The memorial was created as a tribute to troopers who died in the line of duty using funds raised by the ISP Heritage Foundation. 72 police officers have given their lives while on the job and are now memorialized on the wall. To read more about Hannigan and his family, find Brendan Moore's full report at heraldhyperreview.com. A Decatur woman was arrested this week on charges related to kidnapping. Decatur police allege Adameko Macklin Carney, 23, kidnapped a flooring company owner after luring him into an abandoned house, pepper spraying him, and then holding him at gunpoint before trying to ransom him back to his family for $400,000. Herald Review reporter Tony Reed reported this week. The man was abducted Thursday morning and escaped hours after having been restrained with plastic ties and a cloth bag placed over his head. A sworn affidavit from Decatur Police said he eventually managed to free himself from the back of a minivan after earlier being moved around several times in the trunk of a car. Police are seeking a male accomplice who was armed during this time. Macklin Carney was booked on a preliminary charge of aggravated kidnapping. She is facing additional charges of aggravated battery, mob action, and criminal damage in a separate incident after police say she used a BB gun to shoot out the windows and glass door of a home in Decatur on March 20th. To read more, find Tony's full report at herald-review.com. So that's going to do it for us today, folks. We're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it sweet. We're going to keep it long story short, if you will. (laughs) As always, if you're enjoying this podcast and are reporting, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, head on over to pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com to look up subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism.